0: I want to win. And if I don't win, I ain't giving up. Started his business from nothing. That was 2018. Came top salesman in the country. Multiple times had a dream. He would scale up his company and train thousands of people. Give you knowledge and teach you. Don't let the problems defeat you. Launch your private rocket. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Profit Rocket Podcast. This is episode number 19. Uh, today, I got an exciting guest. Uh, this is a Entrepreneur by trade. Uh, He's built multiple businesses. Uh, He's built ones that have exited for over $100 million. And now he's an operating partner and uh, founder of a company called Q's, uh, which helps you and your business stay connected. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But the reason I have Nick on here today is because not only has he built a big business, but he started from nothing, built that big business, and exited a massive amount of money. But along the way, he's had to go through a lot of the same trials and tribulations that each and every one of us entrepreneurs have to go through. So we're going to go through, ask some questions, have a real nice fireside chat with uh, with Nick here and just talk about things he can do um, as you scale these businesses to make sure that you, your processes stay in place and make sure you continue to grow and you're growing at a pace that's actually going to not only make you money, but make sure the employees are staying happy too. So Nick, man, welcome to the podcast.
1: So happy to be here. I appreciate you uh, making this happen. Awesome.
0: So um obviously we'll do a little bit of background of you man i mean obviously you're very impressive you got some you know got some cool friends you got some cool businesses that you run uh you want to talk a little bit about you know what got you what made you become an entrepreneur and kind of what was the first business you got you got yourself into
1: yeah so i mean good or bad i'm I'm, I'm not sure day to day but i i was one of those people that um i think even in high school i knew that i was not wired to go work my way up the corporate ladder. Um, I was never great at, um, you know, didn't, didn't love school necessarily. I, you know, the moment that something became not real and more of a, on a project basis really lost my interest. So I think, you know, throughout high school and and college, and I was fortunate enough to play uh, professional baseball for a few years. um, I guess I was good enough to get drafted and play, you know, in the Indians farm system, but, but bad enough that I always knew that was going to come to an end. And so like a long bus ride and I would be thinking constantly about what am I going to do next? Um, and like I said, I knew I wasn't a job guy. I wasn't a career guy. So I was sort of constantly keeping tabs on different types of small businesses, um, things that were service focused and um, people focused and just something that had you know a, a moderate barrier to entry that I could get into and um, and then just trial by fire, just, just get into something, try to get better at it and then, and then learn as we go. And, um, the very first business that I was heavily involved in, um, was really a kind of logistics e-com business, um, primarily screen printed goods and, and fulfilling e-commerce orders. Um, that, and, and, you know, that business, everything that I've sort of carried with me and, and do today there's, there's fundamentals that I learned there. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, and and a lot of people like you circle back around, like the, the low barrier of entry is important, right? So, you know, most of the guys that listen to this including myself and probably you, we didn't start with a bunch of money. Right. Right. And a lot of people have a preconceived notion that you have to start with a bunch of money to build a great business. And, and that's, you know, that's proven to be false over and over again. You know, I've had a couple of people on the podcast recently that started their business with a thousand dollars, $2,000. I started mine with 10 grand, it's one of those things is that you have to just jump in. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of guys I talk to them, they start their business and, and they want everything to be perfect before they get going. Right. They want to have everything in place. And then they start building a business where I'm like, hey, let's build the business and we'll figure all the rest of this shit out first. Like, let's start doing this and bringing money in. Is that kind of what happened with you or how did you find yourself in that business? And I don't know what the to entry is on that. I mean, I'd imagine you have to pay for screen printing machines, stuff like that. Right. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about
1: that? Yeah, no, I got, I mean, I, I had no choice, but to, like you said, there, there was no trust fund. There was no, there was no nest egg that I could go pull from. So when I talk about low barrier to entry, I needed something that, you know, I could either, you know, finance or um, fortunately for me, there was a local company that was a, uh, they had a lot of apparel licenses and they were going bankrupt. They were shutting that down, really fire selling the equipment. So I was able to pick up, you know, some equipment for really cheap. This is a totally different time and era. Um, And, you know, that was that was a tough business, especially we were located in Dallas at the time and um, not that was not a big business here. Uh, So long story short, I got I got all of the equipment and about four employees for pennies on the dollar. And I think where, you know, obviously along the way, like you said, I mean, I've I grew that business. By the time we sold it, we had about fifteen hundred full time employees, um, got the business over a couple hundred million dollars in combined revenue. Um, And then since then, you know, I'm now involved in over a dozen different companies. And exactly what you said, I've never had anything go according to plan. And so I think, you know, the key there is that you have to understand that mistakes are going to happen. Problems are going to come about um, things that you drew up and were part of your business model and part of your strategy, they're gonna, they're gonna go sideways. And so, you know, your ability to have that, you know, the fortitude to work through it, not to give up, remind yourself that when times get tough, that's not a sign that it's not meant to be. That's a sign that someone else quit and for you to keep going. And so I think, you know, fortunately for me at that time, you know, I was, I was not married. I didn't have kids. And so the, you know, the mistakes are only so costly. Um, And, uh, you know, if we made a big mistake, then I didn't get paid that week. Everyone else still got paid. I didn't get paid. And there were, you know, literally hundreds of those weeks in the first couple (laughs) of years. Um, And so, you know, finally for us in that particular business, I was looking for ways of, you know, traditionally the business had been done one way and it was very reactive. People would sit, they would wait on the phone to ring. Um, you'd wait on orders to come in. And I didn't like that. That made it really tough to scale the business, right? Like I, I either was understaffed or overstaffed. Um, and I wanted a way of really kind of filling my, my, my calendar and knowing, okay, at the very least, every week we've got X number of orders or X number of units coming through. So we really kind of flipped the business upside down. And we were one of the, in 2007, we were one of the first people that really kind of started to treat the business much more as like a direct-to-consumer business and took a took a, took a, a website, an e-commerce store, a, a printed catalog, almost like eBay, And we would go take that to people um, and then let them order from those. And then we would just sort of schedule out when different people across the country were getting those. Um, and the moment that we really started to understand the... The, the, you know, the logistics uh, and the details of our operation, we were able to then go back on offense and really start to, you know, add bodies and sales, build up a huge call center um, and do all those things. So, you know, I, I, it's not always true, but, but growth does cure a lot of problems. And so, you know, uh, at the very least, when you're in, a, in an organization that's going through hyper growth, you're going to expedite the learnings, so you're going to figure out what works and what doesn't work faster, and then be able to go, you know, you know, apply those learnings quicker.
0: Yeah, and, and I would agree. Obviously, I've been in hyper growth mode for. I feel like it's been way too long now. We're we're here year four, and we're like, okay, now it's like we we've grown, we've done through. I feel like we've been through every damn thing you can you can go through. Um, but I mean, obviously, you know, along the way, as you're as you're scaling this business, right? Like, you know, you heard like the no matter like everybody, anybody you talk to, there's going to have those like struggles and those growing pains. And, and if you're growing constantly, there's always going to be growing pains. And I think that uh, a lot of guys are almost like scared of that. Right. And I think uh, what Nick, when Nick was saying, they're like, Oh, there's weeks where I wasn't paying myself and all this stuff. And, and it's because he probably had a growth mind from the beginning. Right. So like, yes, he probably could have sat back, hoarded some of the money. Right. And then not been able to grow as fast, but he was only willing to gamble and bet that stuff. And, that, and that's a conversation I have with a lot of guys is like, Dude, do you want to do this for freaking 20 years 30 years or do you want to do this for five years and if you want to do it for five years it's going to take a lot of sacrifice and it sounds like it's kind of what you did but the other thing that i heard there right and it's similar to our business right like we can either be reactionary right wait till calls come in but guess what march and april and, and may hit us in the mouth and the calls aren't coming in and this is the same thing that i talk about with how i keep my business kind of even killed throughout the year is that i'm going out getting the customers that's what the call center that we have the rocket bookings is about He's like, I fill your entire board. So at least we have, strategically, we know how how many calls we're going to have. And the same thing he said, really start working through logistics, right? Like, hey, how do we make the most money on these calls? How can we get these guys logistically to run more calls in a day to be able to generate the revenue you need? So when you guys look at business and everybody's like, oh, that's not our type of business. Dude, business is business. It's all about operations and processes and how do we really fine tune them? So it kind of sounds like that's what you did. But how the hell did you deal with 1,500 employees? Like that is, that's, you know, obviously I, I, we were talking before this, I'm like, Did I get to the poly employee thing. And I just like, my mind kind of gets like imploded. So you want to talk a little bit about that as, you know, going from four people to 1500, how long did that take?
1: Uh, About seven, seven years, eight years, seven or eight years. So, I mean, it was, the business was more than doubling every single year. Um, And, you know, I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of statistics now in the last like four or five years that. You know, uh, they, they really weren't even things that people measured necessarily back then. Um, our, our revenue to, you know, to headcount, you know, probably wasn't the greatest. Although, you know, we had we had really strong EBITDA, um, you know, when I, the, the, I did everything that that uh, I think a, a business school would tell you not to do. Right. Like uh, my first beyond the first four guys, the next 20 hires were all friends and family. So, you know, I tell people, people are always like, "Oh man, it's it's really risky to do business with friends and and family." And I'm like, you know, what the way we work and the way, you know, how how important this is to guys like us and the and the amount of time that we spend doing this, I feel like, you know, um you're going to end up becoming friends with people regardless, you know? Yeah. And 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 ultimately, I care about almost all of the relationships in my life. And so, um, you know, I don't want to treat anyone or anything like they're disposable. So either, I, you know, I don't have a different approach to hiring a friend or a family member than I do a stranger. Um, Ultimately, you should have the same level of respect for everybody, but I think that, you know, that, that, that did help. I mean, like I said, people would tell you not to do those things. For me, that really helped because as the first 20, 25 people got in there, we all had history. And they really did understand that, um, you know, if I'm if I'm coming at them and I'm like, that's not that's not the standard. We've got to get better. Here's something we can do and improve on. They knew that wasn't coming from a place of, you know, anger or animosity or anything weird. It was strictly just like, hey, we've got to get better at that. So I think there was a you know, there was already a a culture being established. And then um, I was super active. So. I, really, this is a true story. Um, you know, Anyone that that worked with me or for me would would vouch for this. Um, 1,400 people. I think one of the really unique things about it were we were all in really one, 90% of the people were in one building and then we had another office right down the street. But I mean, this is back when there was no work from home and the type of job that it was, everyone was on site. So, I mean, I think we probably had, you know, a quarter of a million square feet, you know, 200, 300,000 square feet of office and warehouse space. And we would all see each other. And, you know, obviously, with with a business that big, there are lots and lots of offices. I did not use an office for so from day one until my last day there. I never I think I was one of the only executives or managers in the entire business. that I did not have an office. And so I think um in a, in a really healthy way it kept everyone on their toes because they knew like i was just 10 12 hours a day i was on foot doing walking talks touring our warehouse touring our call centers you know um and so people would they would see me all the time and that really helped me stay up to speed on you know what was going on both professionally and personally um i had done most of the jobs there so you know, I, had you know, I, I printed shirts and I received orders and I had done inventory and I'd help people, you know, uh, you know, box up and ship orders. And I mean, you name it. And I had done it. So I think there was a there was a respect there that, you know, I wasn't you know, I definitely did not consider myself too good to do any of it um, land, like getting dirty. But, you know, I, you know, part of what's led me to the deal that I'm doing now is just that. You know, I I was very humbled, and by the time we were leaving, candidly, I realized I was not the right guy to keep running the business. So I think I was the perfect person to come up with the idea and the concept, and then and then scale it. Um, But I was ready to move on and go start helping other business owners go and grow and do the things they want to do, and then and then running a business that had that many people. Uh, it was evident to me that there were other people that were going to be much better at that job, maintaining it and then taking it from there. Um, I do think they needed they needed a change. I was, you know, like I said, I was the right person to get it to that point. But, um, you know, so many of the tactics that I used when it was small, you know, just fist bumping everybody every day, um, you know, just really trying to create this, this environment of winning um, and everybody taking pride in what we did. Um, that was, you know, I was really just, I was going to have to start relying a lot on systems, technology processes, um, a lot more formally than what we were doing in the beginning.
0: Yeah. And I think that's something we talked about, obviously, as you scale, right. And, and I've been through it. Like I keep saying, I like get to the hundred person point and it's like, dude, you start getting a lot of employees. And, and, you know, when I started this business five, you know, four and a half years ago, like I started as just me and my friends and my family, like that's who was working here and then you start scaling into something different and it, it takes a different level of leadership from each level from 0 to 5 million from 5 million to 10 from 10 to you know 20 and then 20 million plus like you have to really start putting a lot more checks and balances in place and then you have to change right like you can't be the same guy you were day 1 it just it doesn't happen like you have to change you have to obviously the way you communicate to people uh, your level of professionalism especially if you're trying to go from you know, where you exited at to grow it even bigger, man. It's just like a level of, you know, nonstop stuff, especially for people probably like like me and you, like I got all these other things I want to do. And you have to be so hyper-focused when you get to that scale. Like you can't have any other outside distractions. I feel like, is that kind of what you're running into? You you had other things going on or, or you're just like, you knew that I just don't want to do that. And not do that anymore.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, this is, this is really, really candid, but I, you know, I started feeling like, there was more bad, running a business that big, um, I started feeling like there were more bad things that could happen on any given day than good things. Um, You know, and I I had a colleague, a really, really talented young lady that told me one day that there was something that we wanted to do. And I remember the days of like, just, you know, having an idea and then being able to like, you know, put that in motion within like, you know, 48 hours. And this wasn't happening. And I was getting really frustrated and I was like, wow, like, I feel like I keep bringing the same thing up over and over again. And um, and she said, look, she said, you know, I don't I'm not trying to like calm down, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit that you have and, and, and all the things that got us here. But you have to realize that, you know, when you're running a business and it's much, much smaller, you're on, you're on a jet ski, you know, and, and if you want to turn it, you flip your wrist and the thing turns And he was like, this is now like a carnival cruise ship. And it takes 45 minutes of planning to make it even begin to turn. And I think for me, kind of going back to what I was saying, I think it's, you know, I, I was thinking like, wow, like on any given day, like we can fall short or these things, you know, can not go our way, but because of how big we are, we're now not nimble and we can't change very quickly. And therefore, like. I don't know. Like, I love being a part of something that's explosive and that, you know, like on any given day, something really, really big can happen. And it just started to feel like, you know, um, you know, we were a sitting duck. You know, I I think that's I think that's what's really fun about being an entrepreneur and a founder and starting something from scratch. Like, no doubt, like you and I were talking about, like, you've got to have a a high pain tolerance and understand that things are going to break. Things are going to go wrong. And if it's a small business, then, you know, in Austin. The you know that phone that last phone call is to you and you've got to get that thing done, but the joy in that is that you can also put your fingerprints on things really fast and you can change things quickly and you can maneuver. And if you're going up against a big boy and you're, and there's and you know there's some gorillas in your industry, you can start figuring out their pain points really fast and going wow. after those. You know, so you got to you know not to not just you know be too too cliche, but I mean you play the hand you're dealt. And if you're a small business, then do the things a big business can't do, make it more personal, be more genuine, have better customer service. Um, you know, like literally find the thing that you can win at that a big guy can't.
0: And I even talk about that in even like my sales classes. Like, like if, if I worked for a small family-owned operation, I would use, you know, hey, look, we're we're a family-owned operation, unlike those other corporations, they don't care about you as much, blah, blah, blah. And kind of like really hands-on, or if I'm in a big organization. coming in and saying look you know mom and pop shops are great until it's 100 degrees outside and they can't get out to you like we can we can get out there 24 hours is that important so really it's same thing it's pivoting on using your strong points to sell the business and grow the business is important and you know it's the same thing like when you know a lot of people are like hey why are these guys selling their business and it's like dude when you get to a certain point you become it becomes almost a liability and you have to sell it off to somebody who's got a bigger checkbook than you because if things go wrong you can't fix it. There's so many things that can go wrong. Like for me uh, or in our industry, there's so many, like our moving, our trucks are our biggest liability, you know, and I got 50, 60 trucks that are driving all over South, Southern California, like big ass targets all day Right. or employees or all these things. They become big liabilities. And I think that, you know, as entrepreneurs, we get like, that's the kind of stuff that keeps me up at night. That's stuff that I can't control that if something happens, what's going to happen next. Right. Right. And obviously there's insurance and all those other things, but it's just so many moving pieces that when you get big and that's why a lot of guys in my industry, once they get to that hundred truck point or hundred person point is like where they get going. They're like, Hey, let's hit the eject button. Let's go, you know, let's go uh, exit this business. So, so you grew this great business and you did exit it. And I want to talk a little bit about the exit too, because you know, a lot of guys, they build these great businesses, they exit and they don't take care of their people that got them there. And I know that was one of the conversations we had and, and how important that was to you. So you want to talk a little bit about obviously incentivizing the people that have been with you that helped you build that business and what you were able to do when you exited it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I can kind of circle back and, you know, one of your questions earlier about, you know, you know, managing a team that big and and you know, how how do you sustain, you know, culture when you're doing that? And I think it, you know, it's it's all about that core group of depending on the size of your organization. But I mean, there's gonna be um, you know, 10 to 15 people in any organization that that really determine not only like, you know, what you do strategically, um, But who you are, right, the attitudes and the behaviors of those core people, um, they're ultimately going to be the ones that determine your success. And as an entrepreneur, a founder, you hope that those people that are closest to you have ridiculously high standards. You hope that you have the type of people that every single day they want every customer interaction to be better than they've ever had it. Right. They want the response time to be faster. They want the first time fix the success rates. You want you never want to stop trying to get better at those things um and i think you know i had a I had a business mentor one of the you know the first time that i sold uh you know one of our businesses we sold it to a, a a private equity group and and the managing partner we started to become friends and we would talk often and he said look you know we were putting together a comp plan it was almost like an esop right like it was it functioned a little bit like an employee stock program where we were going to we were going to we had you know investors or whatever but we were going to give out stock to people that were not purchasing it it was these were key employees and he said look he said every single day you've got to look at the workforce whether you've got 20 people working for you or 2000 you got to look at every person every day and you got to put them into one of three buckets that person's either a rose um, they're a daisy or they're a weed you know and every single day pick the weeds you know don't ever let the weeds hang around and make sure the roses are just like very handsomely compensated and I think that's what I tried to do and, I, and I'm trying to do right now. And then all of the different businesses that I'm you know, on the board of or an advisor to, you know, you ha- especially in this day and age, you've got to make people feel appreciated. Um, you know, and that's that's a, that's looking someone in the eyes and telling them that you're wrong when you're wrong and you're sorry and telling them you appreciate them trying to, you know, whatever's important to them, making sure that you're providing those things. So if that's continuing education, more opportunity um a raise in pay whatever you can do to treat those roses the right way you've got to do that and then the daisies are the one in the middle that depending on who they're spending the most amount of time with they can flip into a weed or hopefully if you give them enough water and sunshine you can turn them into a rose right and so um you know fortunately i think you know that's probably the thing that i'm the most proud of is that you know if you look at the the size of the business um, there were, there were a lot of people that made a lot of money on the transactions that that we had. And, um, you know, I think that's, you know, being able to change a lot of people's lives is, is more fun than just changing your own life.
0: Yeah. And, and I, I had a friend of mine, he just, uh, Tommy Mello, he just, he just exited the, the nation's largest garage door company. And it was, you know, Six, I think five, six hundred million dollars or whatever. And day one, the first thing he did is he stroked twenty-five million dollars worth of checks to his employees or some something along those lines. I don't know the exact number, but right. I know he said he made twenty-five millionaires, right? Right. And and those are the same thing. This, those day one guys that built it with you, and, and that's why it's important. That's why a lot of people want to be part of a startup too. Like you know, even for me, I have those conversations with my staff. Like you guys have been with me. Like no matter what happens, if I leave, I exit or whatever, I'm gonna make sure you're taken care of. Right. I'm gonna make sure right. your family is taken care of because you built this business for me. So. Uh it's definitely important. So you've exited that business, obviously, very handsomely. I don't know if you talk about numbers or whatever, but exit for a lot of money. And now you find yourself with free time, right? You went from running a or fifteen hundred employees to now now you got an, you got time to do whatever you want. Um, how long did it take you kind of jump back in the saddle and back into business? Or what was like the what was that exit like? Cause I, I would feel like I left my baby and I would feel a little bit of lost. Like, how was that exit?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I you know. This is a really raw thing I'm going to say, and it is probably not going to be very popular with investment bankers and and private equity groups. But I I now say all the time that it it takes two exits to really actually maximize the all of the the the, the economic aspects of selling something because you first you've got to build a business that's that's. Healthy enough and attractive enough that people want to buy it, right um, and and more than likely, if you grew up like us and you weren't surrounded by those things, you had to just lock in and get laser focused on building a really, really good business and that and that takes every minute every minute you have you wake up and go to bed obsessed over you know running a great business, which means you don't know all of the nuances and details and gotchas that happen in deal flow and and deal structure right and yeah. so i know the first time that i went to do a private equity deal and then we were selling the business i was like and it, and it wasn't it wasn't major stuff like it wasn't these were not things that made me go oh we're not going to do the deal but when you're talking about you know multiple nine figures and oh here's 10 million that's going into this certain bucket that you didn't really know existed or you know this money goes into this tranche it gets paid back first and then this money comes out second and you know just candidly it could have been my own ignorance but i didn't understand the waterfall of how money comes out right like you know class a is coming out at this point then class b comes out at this point and then sometimes in certain cases there's a mez lender and their money comes out before anybody else's and so you know you're you're just a, a young person and, you're, you know, you're celebrating this you know, success. And then you look up and you're like, oh, man, the numbers are a little different than than what I thought. And um, I just, you know, kind of like around all of our colleagues, we were like, OK, like lesson here is you've got to be good at something twice. you got to you got to get good at something, go through this process, learn this process, learn all the different ways that someone can catch you in the fine print. And then be good at something again the second time and then and then you know not get all those same gotchas. You know, have the have the yeah. deal flow structured in a way that's more beneficial to you and and um you know you know people well, I think trouble. that's I think that's happening a lot right now is like obviously yeah, that, you got a bunch
0: of guys that were technicians and sales guys, they created these businesses and they're exiting their businesses. And then they find out, you know, it takes, it usually takes 12 months before they realize like, oh shit, like I got hosed on this deal and it's, you're, you're dealing with a lot of unsophisticated businessmen and, and all of a sudden now they're like, oh, I got all this money. And then they realize like, oh, they end up with half of it or they ended up with right. whatever. And, and then they're all pissed off when reality is like, that's just how these business, this is how these deals are done. And the deals right. are usually made to benefit the guy that's buying it right unless you know what you're looking for and it's important right, right? it's why important to get good to get good brokers and things like that and there's there's some really good guys out there that specialize in my industry and they make sure this stuff doesn't happen right but if yeah. you go out there and you try to broker your own deal and you you try to do all this stuff and you don't you've never been through that or or anything like that then that's when you kind of get you get kind of hosed on these things
1: so you got to make right. sure you're,
0: you're paying attention to it
1: yeah, no, so, I I think I, I, just to, just to elaborate on that a little bit, I think that my my advice to anyone who's going to be going through a sale process in the next three or four years, a I think everyone should be building your business, even if it's a legacy company, and you wanna you wanna pass it down to you know the the staff itself, coworkers, your kids, whatever. That's fine. I still think you should run your business in a way that you have optionality to sell it which means clean books, audited financials, like really just run a good business. If you don't end up selling it, great. You just have a, you just have a more well-documented, cleaner business that helps you sleep at night. But I think everyone should take an approach when you're, when you're building a business, just do it the right way, do everything the right way. Run your books like you're going to run an exit, right? Um, so I think that, but then going back to your point, you got to really pay attention to who you're selling to, um, because I think that, you know, having the right broker, investment banker um, and and you explain to these guys, listen, I don't want to get caught up in a deal where, you know, it's I got to roll over half the money. I mean, if you're in most cases, you're going to have to do some version of a rollover. And I think people underestimate if you're going to have to do a rollover and roll over part of the equity and earn that out over a year or two years. You better really understand the group you're getting in bed with um, and make sure that they're running a good business and they're people that you trust. And they're going to go grow their business because that last piece of the earn out is going to be based on you know, their performance. And so I think you know, people should always be looking to grow. Um, they should be building a business that's healthy, uh, that's attractive, and that um, you know, there's, no, there's nothing in the way of a sale if you wanted to do it. But be really careful with who you sell the business to. Just make sure they're good people. They've done this before. The people they did it with, vouch for them. Um, because like you said, I mean, it's, you know, if you don't understand the mechanics and you underestimate the group that you're, that you're doing deals with, um, they're not all the same.
0: And they're not all nice, man. Like if you think no. they're your best friend, these, these guys are, they are, they're professionals at making as much money as possible for themselves. So you have right. to make sure you have the right, you know, the right, uh, you know, right counsel on your side as well. Cause realistically, man, they, they don't make, they don't grow. We don't get rich by, by making amazing deals for the people you're here, you're, you're sell or you're buying from, right. You'd make deals and the deals, the money's made on the deal on the, when you first sign it. And if you guys are, they're giving out bad deals on their end, they're not going to last very long and vice versa. If you give right. up, you know, if you're taking bad deals on your end, you're going to be the one left holding the bag and, and kind of get messed up on it. So exactly. So you exited now and obviously, you know, you stepped into another, uh, another kind of position now, obviously going into, you know, investing in businesses. And then, you know, obviously we're going to talk about the business that you're growing and, and you, you got a lot of, uh, you know, obviously a lot behind in, in cues. Um, you want to kind of talk about, like, obviously, you know, what you you kind of look for in investing in. Because obviously you said you invest in about 12, 13 different people, businesses now. Yeah. Um, what are what are you investing in? Like what what industries are you looking at right now that are like standing out to you? Or is right. Kind of so, I mean, really, jobs?
1: I think um, we've been really consistent from day one. So I, I was formally done with that business and I think 2017. Um, and I knew immediately I had already started to invest along the way on with just different people would bring a deal to me. Right. Hey, I got a buddy. He's got a great business. It's a service oriented business. He's looking to modernize that and scale it up. And so I, I, you know, three areas that I started investing in in 2017 and they're the same three things that I invest in now. Um, and that's uh, service oriented businesses, um, consumer product and then uh work tech, so work technology, software applications. Um, and those are really the only three spaces I put money, you know, five, six years ago. And that's really the main point of emphasis now. Um, you know, there's there are a handful of healthcare deals and things like that that have kind of slid through that I've done just based on operators. Um, but yeah, I spent I spent really up until, you know, early last year, maybe the end of uh, 2021, just on boards, investing in deals, looking at decks, helping operators grow. And the, the premise was I wanted to go in. You know, a lot of private equity groups won't step into deals um, unless they're $5 million in EBITDA or bigger. Um, and there's a lot of really good companies that are out there that may be losing a little bit of money. They may be break even. Maybe they've got a million or $2 million in EBITDA and they're, you know, they're not. Prime for a a venture capital deal, or maybe they don't want someone to come in and be that involved, but they want someone that can come in and can infuse the business with some cash. Um, And then more importantly, they're looking for someone that can bring resources. So in my office, I've got, you know, HR, you know, finance and accounting team. I've got a creative team. I've got a team that does content. Um, And we can then sort of step in and along with money, just expedite you taking your business to where you want to go. Um, my favorite types of businesses are a lot of the ones that you're involved in. Um, businesses that are, you know, relatively blue collar services, but there's an opportunity to sort of modernize them. You know, um, there's a there's a different way we can go about doing it. that's more efficient, that benefits the customer better. Um, anything that this thing really needs to get done and whether we do it or not, this transaction is going to happen. I like those businesses. Right. Um, you know, I think you've got to have a, you know, a borderline billion dollar budget if you want to invent something and have people completely change the way they live their life. Um, but, you know, for a commodity based need based business, all you've got to do is have a really strong work ethic, discipline, an understanding of how to read a p and um, and then you can just go out every day and and you'll get some wins. Um, so I think that, um, you know, the 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 good thing is I love working with founders. I love working with entrepreneurs. I love trying to help let my losses and my stresses turn into wins for them. Um, but I did have an itch to go back and also be an operator. Part of that was just kind of an age thing. And I thought, you know, I'm still young enough that, I had this desire and this like fire in my belly to want to go operate a business again and be in the weeds. And it's just a little bit like my baseball career where, you know, there was a window and once that was done, I was going to move on. And I sort of started thinking, you know, if I, if I sit on the sidelines for another three or four years, I may not ever jump back into being an operator. So uh, early last year decided like, Hey, let's, Let's build something that, you know, every business needs. And really, I just listed out the five things that plagued me the most as an as an entrepreneur and a founder and tried to go build an app that would solve the things that kept me up at night.
0: Yeah. And that, and that kind of circles around to obviously where you are now, man. Like, uh, you know, I think the first time that I saw cues um, was with, you know, your partner judge and, and you know, judge is someone that I've looked up to. And, and obviously early on in business, I started, I had an entrepreneurial seizure. I didn't know shit about business. I didn't know anything about numbers. I knew how to sell shit. And that's what kind of got me in some trouble the first year, obviously, you know, you sell all those stuff you want in the world, but if you don't know how to run a business and operate, you end up with nothing, right? So I remember the first time I went to one of Judge's meetings, and I kind of got going through a little bit of, you know, business coaching and, and stuff like that for the first time. Really opened my eyes, and, and obviously liking Judge, and Judge started talking about this product, and I'm like, man, that would be great for home service companies, right? Like, that was the first thing that came to my mind. I'm like, man, this is something that's great, and then obviously it was something we started using in our, in our business at Absolute Airflow, uh, so you want to talk a little bit about what Q's does and, and how it can kind of impact the business and, and what the thought process was behind it and, and why you're so passionate about Q's.
1: Yeah, absolutely. My I can just, just show you what a business nerd I am. My email signature for years used to say, you can't manage what you don't measure. And I started feeling like, um, you know, if I looked around my organizations and I was like, you know, trying to separate, like we talked about earlier, the the roses and the weeds, I felt like the roses managed the business through metrics, through numbers, um, and less emotion, right? I found that a lot of people were managing, you know, through emotion. And so I I always loved the saying, you can't manage what you don't measure. Um, And early on, I told Judge, I said, look, you know, businesses are more fragmented. Um, You know, we're living through this really transitional time where there's, there's, there's big advancements in technology. But there's also like all of these other headwinds that are happening. And I, and, I, and I came to Judge and I said, you know, hey, listen, I said, I really feel like there's an opportunity um, to take. Uh, I think the first conversation was to, to take, you know, what we what we all used to do on a whiteboard. And like we how we would track sales and we'd have these we'd have these contests. I was like, we need to make all of that like mobile friendly. And I had just read this article that said that there's 89 million deskless workers in the United States, meaning that there's almost 100 million people in the country that have a professional job, that have a trade, that are that are really smart and, and do a good job, but don't have access to a CRM. They're not living in your database. I mean, they're they're in a car going to a job site, and you know, at they, it, it best they're getting a text or they're responding to an email, but they don't get. A lot of feedback, right? They'll, you know, maybe they'll get an end of month report that just kind of shows them how they, how they, you know, performed versus a goal or versus a budget. But I was like, look, there's so, so much great technology out there and so, and so much great UI. Why can't we take the interface of a Peloton and all of the ways to celebrate successes and send someone a high five and create this sense of community and all of this performance transparency? Why can't we take you know, what's really happening in the exercise industry and put that on someone's phone for those 90 million deskless workers and provide them that same sense of community, recognition, competition all under one app. Um, and, and I'll tell you, man, it's, it's been just a constant evolution since then. I think early on we were really, really, really focused around building dynamic leaderboards, contests, incentive programs. And that's still very much, you know, a core of what we do. But, you know, every week through, you know, feedback, guys like yourself, we're learning and adding new features literally by the day based on requests that we get from from really smart, you know, colleagues and business owners that are saying, hey, listen, we love it. Can we do this, this and this? And then we're shopping that out to our other clients and like, hey, we would love that as well. And so. I think now uh, you know, okay. build, building off of the leaderboards and the contests, and and you know, empowering the 90 million people that are out there with their with their cell phones, we've now turned it into, you know, I, what I like to refer to, um, you know, for guys like for yourself and and for me, uh, is a centralized communication platform, and uh, what we've realized is, you know, I, I you know, I've got one of the businesses I own is I own a, a sneaker brand called Center. We've got seven stores now you know, spread out across uh, kind of the Southwest, um, tons of super cool uh, employees that, that run those stores. It's really tough to communicate. Right. And we've got no less than 75 different variations of group text with former employees that maybe we forgot to take one off of a group chat or, you know, occasionally we'll upload something into Monday or Slack or something like that. But there was this, like, we we were already using queues. We were already running monthly contests and leaderboards and all of our incentive programs. We were already doing all that through there. And then we just decided to go back and add all of the other things that we were doing on different platforms. So we were using SurveyMonkey for surveys. And we were doing, you know, uh, different shoe releases and updates on marketing materials we may have been uploading onto Slack. And we basically just decided to turn the platform into and build off the leaderboards and contests. And add the ability to just send out broadcasts, alerts, notifications, anything work-related that we would be doing through a group chat or a group messaging center, we moved it all underneath the Q's umbrella. So all in one place now, I'm getting notifications on, on individual performance, group performance, store performance. And then I'm able to sit there and message everyone right back through the app in a way that it's measured. Um, You know, my favorite feature, and this is going to sound a little grimy and probably too honest, but um, I love knowing who's reading things. I mean, in this day and age, if I send out a group email, I don't know who all saw that. I don't know who opened it. I don't know who brushed it off and just didn't care. And one of the features that I love about the app is that we can send a, I can send a message out to everyone today that, you know, we're going to start work an hour late due to inclement weather and, you know, one of the stores can't open. Everyone can see that message, and, but, the, but the employees and the staff, they can't turn off the read or unread. So I can see instantly who read the message and who didn't read the message. So there's, I, we're, we're, we're creating this like instant you know dramatic accountability. Um, and then, I'm, and most importantly, I'm able to circle back through that same platform and, and reward people. So today, I've already seen it. I've already got a text update that one of our employees had the best day they've ever had. In 10 seconds, I'm going to go on my phone. I'm going to click congratulations. We're super lucky to have you, you know, go build off that day and, and have a good night. And, you know, here's a hundred dollar, you know, you know, visa bonus or a gift card or, you know, uh, whatever. Well,
0: you, guys, you guys don't even know how powerful that is, especially like obviously for home service. I, I remember being a technician or a sales guy in the field. And I remember just getting one text from the owner one time. I sold something. He's like, hey, man, good job. But I, he never texted anybody else. And I remember the feeling that I had about it. And he had saw that I sold a big job and he was, you know, he was congratulating me. But now imagine you have that for every employee, you know, every birthday they have, every celebration, anniversary, all that stuff, you know. Imagine the power as you scale, right, to be able to know that stuff about your employees and how it's going to make them feel. And that's kind of it sounds like what, he, what he's talking about here is that, like do like you have full control over that stuff and and just those little things will be make the difference between that employee staying or going or that employee working a little bit harder or not working a little bit harder and i know for you know in my business obviously having queues was was massive right i think the big thing is you know with with service tight and if you guys are on service tight and the integration all this stuff is done in real time and you're able to track leaderboards and know if it's a, a record day or whatever it is for these guys and i think I think it's almost priceless having that information at your fingertips, especially for the cost accused.
1: I mean, it's kind of a no brainer, in my opinion. No, I, I agree. I think, you know, going back to where we started the conversation about, you know, exits and growing your business, I think the thing that was stressing me out the most about the business that I sold was the feeling that I was failing as a business owner. You know, my expectation was that, you know, I need to be a leader. Um, I need to I need to, to help my team feel like they're a part of something special, Um, most importantly, that that we care about them and that, um, you know, we spend so like such a disproportionate amount of our life. We spend working and thinking about work and getting the skills to go do these jobs. And the bigger my business got, the harder it was for me to be everywhere at once. So it's like this really weird thing that the business was getting bigger and I was doing really well. And I'd feel terrible going on a vacation, you know, and I'd I'd be like, man, that whole week I was on vacation, I missed all these things. Like someone had their best day ever, someone had a work anniversary, it was someone's ten year work anniversary, and I wasn't even there to say congratulations. And I think it was just like this fear of like missing important things. Um, and I could get to all of it when we had five people, ten people, I never missed anything. Um, but I think you know that was like I said, you know, I I wanted to build an app that helped managers and business owners be everywhere at once you know how can you be you know on, you know, boarding a flight with your family to go somewhere and get a quick text that just said hey look you know such and such did just broke a record broke a ten year company record this has never happened before that's not something you want to miss and so just having that peace of mind that like you know I'm, I'm I'm not there but I'm still connected enough to be able to reply to this and be on top of this and and then, like I said, I think the I think the key to anybody having a big exit in a business is you've got to have alignment with your with your company. You got to have alignment with your management team. And, and when I send out, a, a, you know, an alert today that says, hey, listen, guys, let's make sure that we're, we're we're starting a new month. Fantastic. And we're going to do this, this and this. Everyone in the company sees that message came from me. I've got a really close friend of mine that uses our software and he started a thing called Monday Motivation. And so there's a, there's a broadcast button and he goes on every Monday morning and he writes or he finds somewhere online. He finds an inspirational quote that connects back to their business. He goes on to the broadcast button. He, he, he inputs that message. He sends it out. The whole company got it. So the first thing Monday morning, everybody's coming into work. The first thing they got was their Monday motivating message. He can see who all read it, who opened it, who didn't, how quickly they opened it. And then, you know, the week started on a good note and he knows that universally everyone got something from him at the exact same time but so i think whether you're using it as a communication tool to make sure your company's aligned or you're using it as a way to recognize employees it's just going to take a lot of the things that you already do one off or you know manually and it's just it's it's creating a system to make sure that it sustains well
0: awesome um, if they want more information on cues how are they able to you know get a hold of you guys or get a demo or and get an idea how it works
1: yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we, we have, you know, we've got our website, we've got an Instagram page. These guys were kind enough to put up, you know, uh, a, a banner here behind me. Um, you know, I believe we've got getcues.com backslash home service um, is, a, is a landing page specifically for uh, HVAC plumbing, electricity. Like, I think we've got a dozen different home service uh, products that are out there. Um, but um, yeah, there's, you know, I think maybe when we're done here, we can post something with all of my you know, personal contact information as well. Um, but yeah, just follow us on Instagram, shoot us a message through the website, contact me. Um, we're here, you know, pretty much 24 seven. So.
0: Awesome. Well, Nick, man, obviously I can, I can sit here and talk business with you all day and I'm actually, I'll see you next week and be out yeah, in but- Dallas and and have some conversations and, you know, you're one of those guys, like I said, I listen to you and I'm just like, okay, I want to pick this guy's brain all day. And, and, and I always talk about getting around people that have done bigger stuff than you and, and, and how it's going to get you to where you want to go faster. And, and the point of this podcast, guys, is to, to pick up little things from each one of these episodes that you can take and implement immediately. And, and you might not be able to get around some of the people that get on here, but you can always listen, right? It's R&D. rob and Duplicate. Figure out what the successful people do. Get around them. Uh, Try to get in front of them as much as possible. I'm sure Nick will probably make it out to the event this year. Absolutely, Uh, but that's also that's also going to circle back around, guys. If you guys haven't bought your tickets to the event, it's September 27th through 29th, Austin, Texas. As you guys know, Profit Rocket throws the biggest, best events of the year every single year. Uh, this year we have some amazing speakers and people that have grown some great businesses in the last couple of years from zero to fifteen million, some up to fifty million dollar businesses in a short period of time. So there's going to be something to come learn from. So if you guys haven't got your tickets, go to events.com or events.callprofitrocket.com. Make sure to sign up. Uh, we do have a promo code Rocket Twenty Three. We'll get you two hundred dollars off, and you guys have, get entered to win a Ram uh 2023 ram trx uh it's already ordered off the showroom floor brand new truck you guys are going to uh, get an opportunity to win there in austin so nick uh thanks again base. for coming on man i will definitely
1: i will definitely be there for that
0: yeah so it's going to be a badass man i got the lineup's great you know i didn't think i announced on one of the episodes we got rick ross coming out it's going to be it's going to be pretty cool we got to have a big party big event and then, like i said the main thing with me is every one of these podcasts i want you guys to get something to take away. And when you come to one of my events, I want you to take away something like a lot of things you could go and implement in your business and also come have a lot of fun. So, Nick, thanks for having Thanks for coming on, brother. We'll be franchise
1: to you on Monday. Definitely. I appreciate it. Started his business from nothing. That was
0: 2018. Came top salesman in the country multiple times. Had a dream. He would scale up his company and train thousands of people. Give you knowledge and teach you. Don't let the problems defeat you. Launch a private rocket.